0: Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and their Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your presence on this beautiful uh, Monday evening or Monday, Sunday, uh, Tuesday morning for you guys. I hope you had a great weekend and a start for a great week. Um, I was going to do another topic today, but I decided on this one because I was so mesmerized by the story. Um, I've heard of it before, and when I fell on the YouTube video, I had to research it and get to know it. It's a beautiful story, but it's also a very sad story. Um, I saw a video uh, on um, on YouTube. And the people, the farmers in the video were smiling, even through all the pain and suffering, they were smiling and their smile touched me. So I thought that what am I to complain if people working so hard, twice as hard as me, earning twice, five times less, I mean peanuts and still smiling, what am I to lose? So I'm going to smile today and, and learn from them and their joy and their beauty, uh, but also learn from their journey and hope this podcast can help you um, change or help people change that journey for them. Um, they are the Agarias, the salt farmers of the run of kutch my friends. Before I go into that, I just want to say a little uh, something. Like you know, I have a new podcast, Ex-Christian from India. So that's a podcast that um, I have on hubhopper.com. Uh, if you want to take a look at it, hubhopper.com, Ex-Christian from India. Please do uh, subscribe to it and listen to it. Um um, I, I, you know, I really want to get this one going because there is so much of the narrative that I want to change, um, going forward. And it is important for me to cha- help change the narrative. So yes, ex-Christian from India, there are three, three podcasts on it already. I do two per week. Uh, and I, uh, hopefully this, uh, hopefully, uh, you guys can, uh, subscribe to it and share it with your friends. Um. Going forward, so we're going to go back to this podcast. The the salt farmers of the Ran of Kutch. So, my dear friends, um, India is one of the world's largest producers of salt, and um, uh, one third of it comes from the desert of the Ran of Kutch. The dry, cracked land of the Ran uh, of Kutch was once this a seabed. Ran of Kutch is of. off the Gujarat coast, if you want to look at it on the map. And it was once the seabed uh, thousands of years ago, probably eight to 9,000 years ago. Um, and uh, today about, it's now desert, okay? It's, you know, it's very, very uh, rough, rugged desert. Uh, cracked land, cracked sand. Um, you can see the cracks on the sand. And about 6,000 farmers, however, live in this desert and farm this land. What do they farm? Because if there's no water, what do they farm? They farm salt. They are salt farmers. They're also known as the Um They farm salt by hand, my friends. No machines. And they have been salt producers for um, for generations to come uh not everyone can do this job only those who can endure extreme temperatures can work here because the sun beats from above and the desert radiates heat from below so it can reach up to 118 degrees fahrenheit 40 50 degrees for one well, wouldn't say 50 but 40 plus and um they also have to work on a land that's very salty this you know acid sal- uh uh sulfur um and it comes with many, many problems, health problems, physical problems, financial problems. I mean, it, there's problems uh, a ton. Um, they So when they farm the land, uh, basically um, what happened was the tectonic plate of Saurashtra, if you look at the map of India and Gujarat, the, tecton- the land is made of tectonic plates. So these tectonic plates of Saurashtra and land of Kutch were two islands and at one time uh, the Saurashtra plate sank and the Kutch plate sank Uh, and in the middle uh, the land became desert. So there is uh, water salt water below the surface of the mud Um, and, and when it it's much more alkaline 10 times more saline uh than regular sea water so um this area um is still gets waterlogged as it's part of the indus river delta however in 1819 um the indus river changed course because there was a uh, earth, uh, there was uh, an earthquake here, and the river changed course. And ever since then, uh, one part of the run of Kutch dried up, and that's why this dried-up land is so. It has become desert, and the heat of the sun beating onto this desert um, allows them to to produce uh, the salt that they do. Uh, so at one time, this was salt, as we know, was considered a commodity whose value was, um, was really, really high out there. And the Agarias have been working in this land, in the run of Kutch, for a very long time. Uh, during the monsoons, this area is filled with water starting in June, and it can take four months for the water to recede. Okay, And this is when the salt farming comes into p- the picture. So the the agarias, the salt farmers, arrive in October and leave approximately April. So they work six to seven months a year, approximately October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Yeah, six to seven months approximately, depending. Um, so the first month, the desert is still wet, and they have to walk on it the whole day. So they walk on this land uh, because they need to flatten it out. They need to make salt pans, and they walk on, walk on these lands, and they use rollers to flatten it out with their own hands. Um, so they walk in it the whole day. Then after that, they, they. Um, they build salt pans on this. Uh salt pans are sort of you know uh dividers in in in, in the desert that are square dividers in the desert that, that allows you the, the water to be held within the pan and because it's held within the pan when it dries up the salt that remains behind can be used. Um So the Igarias come here in approximately um, October. Because the desert is so far away from the nearest village, they come with their tents, they're plastic tents and literally it's not the tents like in North America. these are all torn uh tents you know, looking like the stone Age literally, but no one helps them for this. so uh, they live in tents for approximately six months a year, and they bring all their supplies, including their huts, their clothes, their farming tools, water, whatever which whatever they want uh, which whatever they need, okay. Because if they go back to the village every day, it gets very expensive. So they live in the kutch and it is the key to the whole operation. Uh, so basically, uh, what they do is the salty brine water is underground. Uh, once they start the operation, um, they have to convert this area into salt pans, the, the rugged area, the dry Uh, earth into salt pans and make sure the salt pans, the the divides, dividers are built. Um, And then what they do this after they come in October, after this is done, then they dig 50 feet into the mud at one place to get the water out. Okay. Uh, This can take up to a week and prior to that, it's to take longer but uh, because the government has subsidized solar panels for them uh, it supplies electricity, it supplies some electricity and this electricity um, is able to pump up the brine water to the surface the water is then put into these salt pans um, and um, they make about 10 to 20 salt pans it's really backbreaking work Um, And it's no joke working in the desert. So everyone in the family pitches in, okay? It's not only just one person. And then the farmer releases the salty brine water from the wells. And from one pan to the other pan it goes. And until it reaches 24% salinity, okay? Um, The farmers really, they just have to taste it. They know exactly uh, what level, what taste, what uh, percentage Uh, They're just used to this. They're very, very skilled. They've been doing this for generations. So each square, each pan makes about 300 to 400 tons of salt. And over the next few months, the water evaporates, the salt crystals are formed. Uh, And the farmers, what they do is they rake these salt. Why? Because it, once you t- if you turn the salt, then the salt has a pos- uh, ability to grow. Uh, the position of the salt changes and it just expands, expands, giving them more and more salt. Now, the tools for this is, is also expensive. Uh, they're rakes. It seems like nothing, but they're rakes. And it does cost $20, $30 a, um, a year. So they basically use... It, it's very expensive. They basically use the same amount... Um, They use the same rake year after year and try to repair it because they need quite a lot of rakes as equipment. Um, Once the salt layer is formed, it's scraped with these wooden rakes and they're locally known as gantaras. The salt farmers continuously rake the salt to dwell up up crystals uh, which fetch a high price and pile it upon the sides of the pans to be collected later. The salt is different from marine salt produced on the coast and is locally known as Badagara. So Badagara literally meaning Bada. Uh, agara means pan, so the salt pan. Bada agara uh, uh, means a big salt pan, the salt that's coming out from the big salt pans of the desert and Aga- agara means pan and we say agariyas mean the pan workers, the salt pan workers. That's what they're known. So every 15 days, an average of 12 to 15 tons of salt is collected and sent to the salt companies and chemical factories across the country. Um, when the salt forms, it's raked by one person. Uh, one person but as it grows in size, it, makes, it needs about two people to be raked because it's very, very hard work. Now this is very health, a big health issue for the for the farmers. It's a very dangerous war, work, and it's dangerous working here, because the life expectancy for farmer and a agaria of salt pan work is about sixty years. Uh, reasons: extreme temperatures, they are dealing with subsoil brine, highly acidic. They have skin problems, um, tuberculosis abnormally abnormally. Thin legs, stiff with years of exposure to high concentration of salt, and medical care is very far uh, from this from uh, from them because they're in the desert, and it's too far from the nearest, even the nearest village. The Agaria children, walking in the salt fields from the age of ten, generate endure generational poverty. Okay, because there's no school here. And lack schools in their lack of schools in the run of Kutch, offer few chances for them to educate themselves. After the harvest, the family packs up the equipment and then takes it back to the village settlements encircling the, la- the run. The monsoons come and the washes the salt fields away, turning the desert into a sea. Four months later, their gariyas come back and start all over again. So it's 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 not a very easy job, my friends. It fetches them anywhere from two dollars to four dollars US a ton, and which means they don't earn very much. They don't even have money to finish the season and buy their tools. Uh, you can make four thousand to six thousand um, dollars a season, and after that, that's all. After all the hard breaking work, my friends, this is over four thousand to six thousand a season. Uh sorry, yes, for um yeah, for all the salt they make. Uh so very often the farmers have to go back to these traders for a loan to get through the season or the next season. So they fall into a vicious cycle of credit and debt, and they cannot pay back and they live below the poverty line. Uh, very, very important to, to add. So um the Garyas live and work near the salt field. They don't have any choice. Uh, once the salt is ready, they sell it to traders. Uh, the traders come with their trucks to pick up the salt. They take it back to their factory. They crush it, wash it, and they send it through the centrifuge, and, and separate it, and it which separates the water from the salt. The trader then employs 200 approximate people in his factory, processing and packaging. Um, and it can sell this salt for up to $260, uh, $260 a ton um, where they're buying it from the se- uh, sellers at $2 to $4, my dear friends. You know you understand the difference in that? That's a lot. Uh, and so the, the the farmers are very, very poor. They're just poor. Uh, it has nothing to do with caste, class. Like everyone says, so it's class, it's class. No, it's poverty. It's abuse of people who are uneducated. Complete and utter abuse. And and until we don't change the status quo, this is going to uh, this is going to uh, remain as is. So recognizing that the all these problems, um, also that diesel was an, was eating seventy percent of their profits of these uh, farmers. Um, uh, in the, a Grassroots Trading Network for Women, or Hariyali, an initiative of the Self-Employed Women's Association, that's SEWA, if you haven't heard of it, S-E-W-A, decided to address the issue and improve their livelihood. So they founded in, ni- founded in 1972. Uh, SEWA has been working for several decades to improve the working and living conditions of many women in unorganized labor force um including the women the salt farmers of kutch but uh so basically uh what they do um is just let me go back to my notes over here um yes so basically Siva started giving credit at interest rates much lower to these traditional middle uh, than the traditional middlemen and provided market lineages for salt that they produced. In 2005, Siva began conducting training camps for vocational occupations and micro-enterprises like agarbatti-making, BD making to ensure a secondary source of income. For the gariyas uh, during the off season, the results of these efforts on these two funds—financial services and marketing services—was dramatic. Was dramatic, and many of the participating Agar- Agaria families rose out of poverty within two years. In 2012, uh, Siva uh, decided to introduce solar pumps to the low, to lower the co- production cost and provide an energy clear and en- clean energy option. The first program of its kind, SIVA collaborated with Jaipay Solar, to, uh, a local provider of solar PV systems, to in- install solar systems designed for brine pumping applications. Um, next, they partnered with Sun Edison, a US based renewable energy company, and the World Bank to produce 200 solar power water pumps to the Garyas in 2015. Till date, Siva has replaced more than 232 diesel pumps with hybrid pumps that run a solar power during the day and diesel for four hours at night. Uh, so the run of catch abundant solar energy potential, with many, with as many as 300 sunny days and high solar radiation, offered salted temperate farmers the opportunity to dramatically increase their annual savings by switching from. Diesel-to-hybrid pumps that are made to run for 89 hours per day on solar power. These hybrid pumps have half the expenditure on diesel and increase salt production approximately by 15%. Moreover, installing these solar panels on rooftops of the farmers' homes during the off season has helped them save on their electricity bills too. Each of these pumps save about 2 to 7, 2.7 tons of carbon dioxide. Uh Siva has also teamed up with Global Fairness Initiative to distribute fifteen thousand solar powered lead lanterns to the farmers of the Ran of Kutch, safer and far brighter than kerosene lamps. These solar lamps don't require additional spending once the lamp has been purchased as the batteries can run for ten years um Siwa also plans eventually to replace all seventeen thousand diesel pumps. Owned by its Agaria members with hybrid solar pumps, and for this it has tied up with ICICI Bank, India's largest private sector bank, to enable salt farmers to buy and install up to 600 solar water pumps uh, through yearly instalments. Uh, they are also working with Zenergy, a startup firm in Chennai, to address the problem of corrosion in traditional pumps made of iron and alloy. So uh, the the grassroots trading network for women say that because the salt farmers live on such small margins, they wanted to ensure that the solar pumps are a sound investment and minimal risk. Trying to carve out a living in one of the harshest environments and hardworking Agarias do not want to give up salt making. They love the freedom of their simple life and only want better health and economic and educational opportunities. Can you believe it? After all of this, they absolutely love what they do. They love what they do. I'm telling you, I learned so much from them. Their smile is in immaculate. With great savings from using solar energy, these farmers are now one step closer to a future marked by a better economic status and sustainable livelihood. Uh, my dear friends, um, I just want to say a thank you to betterindia.com, where I got this article uh, for 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 Getting the article out. Thank you so much to all of them. Thank you so much to Siva. Um, Siva is, like I mentioned earlier, um, the Self-Employed Women's Association. Because a lot of them are women. And they are working very hard. And kudos to them. My hat's off to them. And I touch their feet uh, for the work that they do to better the Indian subcontinent. If I was you, my dear friends, I would um, I would take this opportunity to write a letter to the to the members of parliament and to the government of um, to the government of of Gujarat to um, to talk to to do everything in their power to make factories for these people, but they can replace the traders, their own Gardya people. Can run these factories producing the salt, uh, finishing the salt, and selling it uh, for the two hundred and sixty dollars a ton instead of the three to four dollars a ton that that is uh, sold, that is uh, paid to them, and uh, the exploitation by the um, by the traders, the salt traders, uh, that is a huge, huge uh, insult, and you know. Uh, indignation, um, abuse of power—it um, is absolutely disgusting. These these middlemen and these traders who m- manipulate and 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 abuse these salt farmers. Um, and why you you and I buy at fancy product, uh, fancy fancy rate. So take ten minutes of your time tomorrow or whenever. Write to the ministers of government of Gujarat. And make sure that you provide them with your opinion and your uh your knowledge, your opinion of these salt farmers. And it will not be very expensive for them to put their money together to build factories run by these farmers where they can uh they can ma- manipulate their old salt and sell it on their on on their, or sell it in the market. Um they can also, you could also write to the big industrialists of Gujarat, the Ambanis, the Adnanis, the Tatas. Look, these are all Gujarati people and all it takes is a very small factory. You don't even have to get very complicated because these factories are not complicated. Build two, three factories for them. And how much will it cost? Nothing for the Ambanis and the Adnanis, nothing. So if they build these factories for... um for these workers, ensure the education. Have a system of uh, distance learning for education. Um, these this will change everything for the farmers. They wouldn't have to go to these traders. That is the biggest hurdle. So take some time today. Write to to the Adnanis, the Ambanis, and all the big industrialists of of uh, of. Um, uh, Gujarat uh also you can plea if you could please write to the government that they step on the gas and literally uh find a way to get uh, industrialists together to buy and give them land. Or build these factories, collect the funds to build these factories for these ladies and the men and women, the Angarias, and basically apologize to them for all that they've endured for uh, the seven decades that we've supposedly got independence, but we are not independent. Um, many people say um, the problems of the of the exploitation started with the British. Who uh, classified these tribes as uh, criminals from birth, uh, so they were criminal tribes from with the Law uh, Tribe, the Criminal Tribes Act of 1871. Um, historians said was to impoverish and control these tribes uh, into poverty, and then leave them there so that they could not benefit, um, and and the British would make the money. Uh, the law gave the British the power to monitor the movements of their Gavias and arrest them uh, with little cause. And then the British owned the land. So the British would then take the salt to England, process it and send it back to India with heavy tax. We know this, we've learned it in our history books. The salt farmers would not take the salt out, could not take the salt out of the region, so that women would hide the crystals in their petticoats and then sell it. Um, And many Indians at those days could not afford salt with a high tax, uh, because uh, even though it was part of their staple diet, we know about that, we've read it in our books. It got so bad that in 1930, Mahatma Gandhi organized his most successful act of civil disobedience—the 240-mile Dan- salt, Dandi da- salt Dandi march, as it was called. He went from town to town, and 60,000 protesters uh, were jailed, including Gandhi ji himself. And Gandhi could. Um, Salt would be a contested product produced until India's independence in 1947. And after British rule, this act was removed, meaning they were no longer classified as criminals. But a lot of people say the stigma remains. It is absolute garbage. Garbage, garbage and more garbage. A stigma remains for 70 years? It takes people to keep a stigma. So when people don't have stigmas for their bank accounts, People don't have stigmas for uh, abusing people with 3 to $4 a ton of salt. Well, they're making $260. These people are very, very educated. People who are second and third generation educated. People who are making money of these poor, uneducated people. This is not a stigma. This is abuse of power uh, to keep people impoverished and they have done no better than the british and we've spent 75 years blaming the british for everything when we have done the same thing and even worse now check this out um the agadias uh living on this land or should i say working this land um you know the the land that they work belongs to the government um, th- they still don't own it. The British left. The Kach was taken over by, over by the government, and it was leased to the Agarias. So now it was leased to them, and they're making a profit. Um, but they stopped renewing the lease in 1972, and as a result, the Agarias had were, became illegal, and they were illegally producing salt. So how is it different from 1871 when the British made them? uh the british made them um criminal tribes from their birth okay and the indian government took took the land stopped renewing their rights and and uh, ability to to earn and instead they uh they made them illegal so one side you have one power making them um criminal the other side you have another power making them illegal at the same so it's the same why did we spend 75 years blaming the british when we say the British loo- looted us, the British are the reason for India's state economic state today, really? Did the British tell you also to continue abusing people uh, on one side when you ask for independence? No, they did not. So uh, the circle has come, come back a full circle. Okay? The, the cycle has come back a full circle. Circle. We blame the British for our own actions and get away with pretending that we are poor little victims and the big bad British impoverished us. Maybe they did it until 1947, allied with the local Indians who also enjoyed this abuse and made money out of this abuse. And if you listen to the people like Shashi Tharoor, you would think the world is coming to an end. Um, oh, the British are responsible for the the, the, the poverty in India. Yet his party never mentioned the small act of, of their regime, their Marxist regime, and, and were doing the same thing as the phantoms of the past, uh, really. So they're doing exactly the same thing. They have made the, the people illegal. What is the difference between illegal and criminal? If, if if the if the British are bad and we had to get rid of them, well, guess what? The same applies to good God-forsaken um, Congress. And it is important for you at this junction to please take some time, please, t- really, uh, to write to the government, write to to uh, uh, the big industrialists to help these people uh, because they're guerillas are absolutely fantastic they've been overworked and underpaid been abused and discrimination and we need to get off our behinds for this because um, this is not about uh, an ideology it's not about stigma as it's known it is about abuse of power to manipulate and, and and punish people on the ground for their pockets and pockets alone um, and so it is important uh, to understand this. They are called the agarias, uh, agarayas, A-G-A-R-A-Y-A-S, uh, the salt pan workers, and they are a community, they are beautiful people. Uh, we have salt, we can't live without salt, and it's time to rise up and say to them, Uh, thank you, sorry for the past, and thank you for all the hard work you're doing, Um, I also would suggest you go onto YouTube, uh, research this, there is a huge, uh, many episodes on this one, beautiful one made by Business Insider, which I read, uh, which I uh, decoded for you, and there are many, many other uh, articles on their garias, my friends. Please research it. Speak with your friends, your family members, your local uh, social media groups. Write to your local ministers, um, uh, and and talk about this and what you would like for the government to do for them, and and write your emails to. Um, to the industrialist of Gujarat. And please share this podcast. I would really appreciate it because helping these people are really, really very, very important. Uh, Like I said, I also have, I will end this here. Um, I also have a podcast, Ex-Christian from India. Do not hesitate to, you know, spend some time on it. And until then, I thank you very much for your time, your energy. I hope it provided you with some information and an ability and a reason to do some research and make this into an intellectual laboratory and learn from this junction in life and move forward from there and we can have a better India for the generations to come. Thank you so much and have yourself a great day.